everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. My name is Nicole. I work on staff at High Point Church, and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. In this next episode, this is one of our Escaping Babel episodes, and it's part of the mini-series that we've been doing on friendship. In this particular episode, we wanted to help give some practical um, and somewhat easy next steps in either forming new friendships in your season of life or in growing those friendships. So we hope that you find it helpful as you pursue those relationships in your life. Hey guys, we're glad to be here with you on the Engage and Equip podcast. My name is Jill Reese and I'm here with Nicole Kyle. Hello. And Nick Gibson. Hello. And we are doing a mini series in the Escaping Babel series on friendship. And so we did one episode where we talked about spiritual friendships and important aspects of close friendships. Then we did an episode on multi-ethnic friendships. And this is going to be a short practical episode on how we actually build friendships. Yeah. And we're also attempting to do a 30 minute podcast. (laughs) We have a timer. I'm already sweating. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Okay, so um, in the book Spiritual Friendships by Wesley Hill, he mentioned some patterns of the possible, which I liked that wording because you can feel really busy. You might have three kids and wonder when you're going to have friends. Or a really demanding job. Yeah. Or lots of... Well, not everyone has kids. I'm just trying to say... Or really demanding kids. (laughs) Or really demanding kids. And a really demanding job. I feel like I would be in that category. (laughs) Or if you're, if you're a newlywed, maybe you feel like you have to spend all your time with your spouse. I don't know. There's lots of scenarios that could happen. But, or you're in school. Again, lots of scenarios. But you can feel busy and it can feel overwhelming to start something from scratch, especially a relationship. And so um, these are some practical ways. And we've broken it up into three categories and we're going to talk about a lot of examples within these categories. So first, we're going to talk about starting small. Then we're going to talk about hospitality. And then we're going to talk about staying engaged. And as we go through those, we will talk about what we mean by those things as well. Great. Cool. So the first thing we can do is start small, which means starting with the people in your actual circles that you see in your daily lives. Yeah. So what are some examples of that that you guys can think of? Um, uh, the first example that comes to mind was when I was a freshman in college. Uh, the people who became my friends were like the girls who lived across the hall from me. And then mm-hmm. it was, I joined a Bible study with a campus ministry and it was joining or building relationships and friendships with the girls who were in that Bible study because we saw each other consistently or the ones who lived in my dorm. There were a lot of great girls who were a part of that campus ministry, but the ones who are still to this day, some of my closest girlfriends are the ones who lived in the same building that I lived in when I was a freshman. Same thing happened when I moved, when we moved back here and I started working here. It was Mm -hmm. the people who I worked with who I started to form relationships and friendships with. Yeah, I think one of the distinctions you can kind of make in your head to sort this out is the difference between having somebody who you classify as a friend and then somebody who you are having a friendship with in the participial form. You know, like, Mm -hmm. so you can have Facebook as the classic example of you have all these friends, but very few of them are you having a friendship with. Mm -hmm. And so if you think in terms of not just like, well, who are my friends? But you think, no, who am I having a friendship with? Yeah, that's And those people sort of by definition have to be in your life. They can be partly in your life electronically, but in many ways they do have to be actually, you have to see them Mm -hmm. and then you have to take time to be with them. Yep. And so I think if you say, 
um, who am I? Because if I say who do I, who are my friends? Mm-hmm. I got lo- I've got lots of friends. Mm-hmm. But if I say who am I currently having a friendship with, mm-hmm. like over the last month? Well, that gets real narrow real fast. Right. Yeah. And so I think if you start with that reasonable approach, you can be like, okay, mm-hmm. I have lots of friends, but who am I having a friendship with? Mm-hmm. And then how do I lean more, spend more time with or invest more into those relationships so that I'm having friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is another step deeper that can still be scary because we can talk about, oh yeah, just be friends with the people that you see every day. But uh I, I know for myself, there is an example where I was really actually intimidated by someone, but I did see them all the time. And I, I, it was Nick. It was Nick. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you have at one point intimidated me, but no longer. Um, it wasn't That's the Nick. thing I hear the most. I was really intimidated before I came in here. And you were nice. It was fine. But like before yeah. I was, so one of the interns just yesterday was like, just walking down the hall to your office. I was so scared. Oh. And then the intern said, then when I was in here, it was fine. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, I get that a lot. Well, anyway, um, (laughs) that was a nice story. Um, I, I was convicted by God that I wasn't being loving to this person because they were in my life. I was feeling like, why aren't they noticing me and not being my friend? And then I felt very convicted to just go say hi and ask them to go to coffee with me. Mm. And it was awesome. We're not like best friends, but it was great. So, um, it, it might not feel easy even if you are just, you see them every day. Yeah. 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 I, sometimes there's the romantic, like the apocalyptic romantic fallacy where you're re- you're, what you're looking for is the Anne of Green Gables bosom friend. And like that person who sees everything yeah. just like you do and mm-hmm. like finishes your sentences. And it's like that you have an intercourse of souls of the deepest mm-hmm. level of human intimacy. And that's, great and you may have one of those or some in your lifetime Mm -hmm. but you it's just like it's the classic like i'm not going to date anybody because i haven't found that perfect Mm, person and friendship can be similar that you if you wait for that you could be a long time you have to start you just have to start and you have to try yeah i remember being a freshman and the way that i met one of my closest friends again still to this day was because her roommate i don't even know if it was her roommate i can't remember but someone was playing um blackbird by the beatles on the guitar across from the hallway in the dorm Mm. or across from the bathroom so i was like walking to the bathroom and then i heard them playing that song and i just like all right i'm just gonna go say hi and walked in and said i like this song and like it just it had to start with something small you didn't just start singing it just outside the doorway where they couldn't see you (laughs) no that would be so (laughs) weird uh instead i barged in (laughs) which might have been stranger i don't know well everyone in dorms is doing that but yeah i think but i think that leads to a point that we hit on sometimes and we have to hit on it like every couple Mm -hmm, of years mm -hmm. is for college students getting out of college yeah is that there's an immersive experience of college Mm -hmm. which almost by the nature of its functioning makes it easy to like glob onto new friendships almost without mm-hmm. trying because these people are in your classes. You have to be in study groups. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing this, doing this together. Right. Yeah. Right. And so you can have very, very poor friendship making skills and you can have friends in college mm-hmm. and then you can easily get out of college and you just find yourself adrift mm-hmm. relationally. Mm-hmm. And so and if you don't have like deeper, more driven and intentional skills of forming friendships, then the only people you'll ever be friends with are the people at work, mm-hmm. which is a cross section of that's sort of pre-selected for you on criteria you might not particularly like. And though you should be friendly, maybe have friends at work. 
It might not be having friends either. Yeah. Yeah. It, it may it may not be the what you really, you really mm-hmm. should be looking for. And you may not be able to form good and close Christian friendships right. unless you're forming them intentionally at church. Yeah. But you're only going to be at church once a week, maybe mm-hmm. twice a week. Um, and those friendships will take much longer to start unless you take an intentional direct approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that like some practical things is that you could join or that you could join a smaller yeah. group of people. So whether that's literally a small group or you could go to a class. Mm-hmm. Those are always smaller groups of people. Or Volunteer if team. it's... What was that? Volunteer team. Volunteer team, right? Or if it's just being engaging on a Sunday morning and being willing to introduce yourself to somebody that you're sitting next to Mm -hmm. and inviting them to get coffee or inviting them Mm -hmm. to lunch or something like that. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you might not always hear a yes because Mm -hmm. like Nick said, we're not all in that season of life anymore where everyone's just willing to say yes to everybody. Mm -hmm. But it's better to be willing to put yourself out there and try than to always be alone. Yeah. 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 All right. So that was starting small. The next one is we, hospi- we mean business. Yes, we, we really do moving, mean short and efficient. Moving on. Um, so the next one is hospitality, which refers to welcoming the stranger. So if we were just talking about people that you run into every day in your rhythms, this would be a circle outside of that and outside of your friends already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Hill's point, Wesley Hill's point is that friendships are not supposed to be hermetically sealed like i'm friends with this person so we're friends with each other and that's it that's kind of what you do in junior high when you're Mm -hmm. when you're like striving for um you know who's the coolest Mm -hmm. and so you want to like pair bond with the cool girl or guy or whatever like Mm -hmm. that's just that's really mm -hmm. unhealthy you're supposed Mm -hmm. to realize that creates a certain codependency it's not good for either of you it's not a good friendship friendships really are supposed to be expansive you want to include new people and people who are present, even presently strangers, mm-hmm. even though that's scary because you think your natural instinct is, I don't want the tribe to get bigger. I'm going to get mm-hmm. less of my friends right. if we have more friends. Which feels like jealousy. Yes. In the, mm-hmm. And it is. Because it is jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's also driven by what you struggle with, especially most in early life, which is insecurity and inferiority. Yeah, right. And so Carl Jung said, especially before the age of 40, that's the main thing most people are struggling with. After 40, you're mm-hmm. struggling with the fact that your life is ending and you're declining and mm-hmm. you're going to die in not that long. And like, what does that mean? Right. Mm-hmm. But early on in life, it's like, am I good enough? Am I enough? Are mm-hmm. these people going to stay with me? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that is what everybody struggles with. And so you start expanding friendships mm-hmm. and people start wondering like, Oh, well, if we let this person in, am I still going to be, am I still going to matter? Or are they going to be closer than me? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to feel pushed out. But, um, friendship done with righteousness and goodness and love and beauty is one that, actually can include more Mm -hmm. and not degrade the relationships between between people, but the relationships actually expand even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. C.S. Lewis talked about um, friendship as the least jealous of all the loves, which was very convicting to me. And you can read more about his book, The Four Loves. It's also, it's also covered in the Island Princess, the Barbie (laughs) movie. Which is a Barbie movie. (laughs) That love, there's always more, you know, love produces more love. Yeah. So you, if you were already feeling the first point, how am I going to do this? I don't have time. This second point might feel even more that way. So what are some ways that, that we can do this even if you feel like you don't have time in your life? Yeah. I, I remember first when I first started to come to high point. So I was like eight years ago now, Nick, I remember you talking a lot about 
this kind of idea in relationship to mentoring. You're saying how, what are rhythms in your life mm-hmm. that are already happening that you can invite someone into to mentor them in those ways? Yeah. And I think you can do that in relationship to friendships as well. So um, like if you are, uh, if your family is just going to be, and this I think especially for me, I'm in a season of life where it's easy to just get selfish and stingy with my time and think, well, it's like family time and bedtime and I don't want to give that up. But that's like, you, it's an easy time to invite people into. So, yeah, bedtime especially. Well, and like... <laughs> when, but, you're, when you're putting your kid to bed, actually, that that is a really good time. That's to what I mean, yeah. yeah. I've had, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I've my kid's my, bedtime time. My <laughs> wife, like, inve- yeah, I'm just joking. <laughs> Inviting people into, like, putting kids to bed. Right, like, yeah. She's taught a lot of 20-something-year-old mm-hmm. women how to put a kid to bed. Because mm-hmm. they were like, what do you what do? You mm-hmm. do? And she's right. like, it's just easy. You just do these things. And right. I, like, mm-hmm. we have, there's women in their, in their 20s who will come over, and when it's time for our youngest to go to bed, They'll put her to bed. She'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, can so-and-so put me to bed? And we're like, sure. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens. And right. so they get to practice on our kids and we get a break because mm-hmm. we've done it s- several thousands of times <laughs> at right. this point. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, When Scott and I were in Minnesota, we at one, attended a church that was, um, I don't remember what series they were going through, but anyway, they had a woman come who was a celibate gay Christian who talked about how she was not ever going to be married and she was never going to have children. And one of the things that was so dear to her that she experienced in her church was the friendship that she experienced from families Mm -hmm. who let her be around their family just during family Mm -hmm. time things like dinner time and putting their kids to bed and just having family Mm -hmm. movie night and inviting her into that. And those friendships were really important to her and significant to her and so that's an example that I Mm -hmm. think of and I know that Scott has thought about that a lot too with people who are friends of ours who are single Mm -hmm. and maybe they'll be married someday maybe not but he thinks about how can we invite them into things that we're doing as a family so I know he's like had people on Sunday mornings like come pick up Luca from the nursery with him just because that's a way that he can be a friend Mm -hmm. to this person and invite him into what he's already doing anyway Mm -hmm. And you still, when you're talking about that, you still get family time. You're still with your family. Right. With that person there. Mm-hmm. And um, another way to do this is you can still be with your f- a close friend and do hospitality with them. Like right. if you want to study the Bible with your friend, invite other people into that and you have a Bible study and you're still getting time with your friend. And it is more expanded. Like Nick was talking about there, the circle is expanding. So you get less like intention, like serious, close, intentional time with that one person, but you're still around them and you're doing something really cool together. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with your family. That's going to impact your kids. Yeah. That was something my parents did a lot when we were Mm -hmm. growing up where they would invite people from like my dad's work who were not from the U S originally, who didn't have family nearby, who would just celebrate holidays with us or there was one friend in particular who I don't know if it was like every night but Nelson was over all the time and he Mm -hmm. was like a part of our family he was Mm -hmm. always having dinner with us celebrating holidays with us and that stuck out to me and shaped the way that I thought about how you spend your time as a family Mm -hmm. and I I think one of the graces for you in Madison is that because people move a lot Mm -hmm. I've seen this happen in my wife's life where she'll have a close friendship with a woman because we've been here nine years now right Mm -hmm. so she'll have a close friendship with a woman She'll want to not really include anybody else, right? Mm. But there's there'll be other women she knows kind of want to be included. So she'll open up that friendship and two or three other women will come into that friend group, right? And then that one woman that she had that really close friendship with will move. Right, yeah. <laughs> and if she hadn't opened yeah. up the friendship 
for these other women, then she would have just lost that friend and she would have been back at square one. But mm-hmm. she's not because now she's got these other friends too. So as this one leaves or that one leaves, because Madison's just like that, mm-hmm. she's always got a group of friends, even mm-hmm. though the friends are rolling over and interchanging right. at yeah. an alarming rate <laughs> for the human spirit. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's kind of what urban life is like mm-hmm. in a in a city-ish place like Madison, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of like medium-sized cities like that where... It's not a final destination. Even large cities like New York City or Chicago, oftentimes people will come to New York City, only stay two or three years and then go somewhere else because they can't afford housing or Mm -hmm. the the Dollagers in San Francisco, right? Like they Mm -hmm. didn't want to stay there. They just wanted the experience of serving in that area and then they came back here, right? So there's a huge grace to you if you do this because as the transition of the city happens, you still have friends to enjoy and support you. Yeah. Okay, moving on to number three. So that was, we we did starting small, one, two, we did hospitality, and now three, uh, staying engaged. And this means physically, so staying physically in the same place, Nick was just talking about um, moving, how Madison is a transient city and we people move a lot, but um, it could look like choosing to physically stay in the same place. Um, and then spiritually, emotionally remaining engaged even when things get difficult. Do you guys want to talk more about what that might look like. Um, you had an example that you shared before we started recording oh. with Sarah. Oh, yes. So there's a, a young woman at our church who uh, stays, she's stayed in the same condo for a while. And she's, she, so she's been there maybe a couple of years that I know of. And um, her roommates keep changing, but she keeps intentionally finding new roommates to invite to live with her. So she's not just choosing to leave the city when all of her friends yeah. do too. or even move to yeah just yeah. even the act of her staying in the same condo i think is cool because then there's she's staying she's just choosing to stay and inviting people into that i've seen that a lot at high point with mm-hmm. single people living mm-hmm. in a living situation with more than two people yeah they'll have a couple people that are pretty close mm-hmm. friends and then they're choosing who to invite as this third fourth and fifth mm-hmm. friend into their living situation and I think that that's, and some of the guys I've seen be really intentional mm-hmm. about that, like a newer guy to the church who's kind of struggling. And some of the guys have invited like from Forgiven and Free, like in mm-hmm. the, the dealing with sexual addictions. Yeah. Some of the guys that have been doing really well have invited in guys that have not been doing very well mm-hmm. so that those guys can have accountability mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. and cool. like get the internet on their server that they've purchased special filters mm-hmm. for so that bad things can't come in and mm-hmm. um and it, i think it's really helped some of those men and i've seen similar situations with, with the women too mm-hmm. I, so i think being strategic especially when you're single mm-hmm. I, i've also seen families that have extra rooms in their house yeah actually invite boarders to come in and pay like a nominal rent and um that can be really that can mm-hmm. be really good too mm-hmm. either in the same life stage or a couple life stages younger yeah or having interns or someone who can't afford to yeah, Alexi hey, and I had one yeah. of our, our pastoral interns live with us for a whole year. And mm-hmm. that that's, we've only done that one time. And that was by far the most impact I had on an intern, right? Um, yeah. So that that's true. I, I think one of the things Tim Keller used to say at Redeemer Presbyterian, which I haven't said a lot here, but I, I, I think it's meaningful to think about, is he'd say to people, look, if you came to New York City to live one year, live stay here two. If you came for three, stay six, right? Mm-hmm. If you came for six, stay 12. Just like, don't be quite as transient right? Mm-hmm. as modern life sort of wants to make you. Yeah. Try to figure out a place where you can be. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you'll only be in Madison two years. But when you leave Madison, try not to go somewhere else for two years 
and somewhere yeah. for two years because you'll just never they'll never be right. a hometown thing yeah and yeah so, when i when yeah. i was in college i i expected to move around a lot after college my family moved a, um twice when i was born but both of my parents had moved a bit um before then and i just kind of thought that's the way life was but my husband he his parents and his family i mean they had lived in the same house for mm-hmm. 30 mm-hmm. close to 30 years i guess um before moving away and yeah. And that was so strange to me. I had just not experienced mm-hmm. that and thought like, that's not exciting. Like what's exciting mm-hmm. is moving and leaving. And then I came to realize how much value mm-hmm. there is in having some consistency in where you live and how there can be beauty in that, even if it feels monotonous, even if it feels like you're living the same thing like day after day and year after year, I understood that there's beauty in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I even noticed that in myself the first time it happened was when Scott and I moved to Minnesota and we had, it had been a year in our apartment and I started to feel this itch like, Oh, Mm -hmm. we got to leave. We got to leave because I had never lived anywhere since college for longer than Mm -hmm. a year. And so I, I thought it's time to go. And then, I mean, we didn't move, but then when we moved here, it's been the same thing in our house. Like when other people leave or even if they're moving just from an apartment to a house or something, I notice it in myself, like the, the itch to have change and something new instead of valuing where we are. Mm -hmm. And some of that is like, we've, we have the same neighbors for now we're going, we're in the middle of our fourth year. And if we had moved, we wouldn't be able to sustain those relationships and hopefully they'll be even longer, but you can't Mm -hmm. have that kind of relationship and longevity if you're just constantly hopping around. And I know for some people it, your job requires that and you can't, you can't control that. But I do think for some people it is something that we do, um, intentionally. And, Mm -hmm. and I think it's worth asking ourselves why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like, for example, for me, it took us five years in our house to become friends with our neighbors that also lived there five years. So like, it just might take a while to really feel like, oh, we're actually gaining Mm -hmm. traction here. (laughs) And so it might mean staying in a smaller house rather than moving to a bigger house or even just moving to a different neighborhood. Like you said, if there's something, a bigger opportunity or a better opportunity in somewhere else, just financially um if you can financially stay in a neighborhood in a house that makes a big difference i think too we we've talked physically like about physically staying but i also think Mm -hmm. it's important to recognize staying engaged emotionally and spiritually because um it's really easy like when you start to get into a point in your relationships where it's kind of like okay we're either gonna now hit some hit some bumps and Mm -hmm. have to maybe have a hard conversation or realize like this person hurt me and I can either tell them that it hurt me and try and reconcile or I can just ghost them and mm-hmm. not have them in my life anymore. And I think that takes effort too to choose to stay engaged emotionally in a relationship when you'd rather just like choose somebody new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, an example from a song <laughs> lyric, um, but there's a Brandy Carlisle song and I can't, I think it's called Heart's Content, but she has a, a lyric in that song that says break I'll break my own heart before you can. Right. And it's talking about like this fear we all have that what if this person, like we're getting closer and closer as friends. And what if this person leaves and really hurts me? And the more engaged you are, the more it will hurt Mm -hmm. if that happens. And so there can be this tendency to want to withdraw when hard things happen uh, rather than sticking it out and seeing the good that could come from that too. Right. 
I think it was in a recent sermon that you preached, Nick, where you talked about how like one of the worst forms of punishment is solitary confinement. But mm-hmm. when we feel insecure or when we feel hurt, we inflict that on ourselves. We say, okay, I'm going to isolate yes. myself. I don't want to go talk to this yes. person. Mm-hmm. I just would rather be at home by myself eating ice cream and watching Netflix or mm-hmm. whatever. Fill yeah. in the blank. But mm-hmm. we do that. We instead isolate ourselves instead of being vulnerable with someone to tell them this hurt me or I don't know. Fill mm-hmm. in the blank. Yeah. I, th- I think that, I think that's true. So that leads me to two ideas I'd like to maybe end with here. Yeah. One is that, well, we spend a lot of time isolating ourselves with the screens that we look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing video games and watching TV and watching YouTube and you, like just there's, there's this capacity, not just to grab our attention, but for time to just disappear mm-hmm. when we're interacting with screen, these screens. And so at t- there should be times where you're withdrawing from them, hopefully in times of, Bible reading and prayer yeah, where you can ask the Lord and think about and reflect on what you're doing and whether or not the effect of your use of media is in a sense isolating you mm-hmm. so that maybe you still can watch TV on Wednesday nights, but maybe you have three friends that come over right. and you eat yeah. together and you watch a couple of shows together that you like instead of just doing the easy thing, which is come to your house, make a little food, sit down in front of the TV and turn it on. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things we just do reflexively Mm -hmm. that are just easy and that our nervous system likes, Mm -hmm. like eating and watching a screen. Mm -hmm. There's hardly anything more than that besides going to the bathroom that our nervous system just likes. And so at some point you have to be like, is this, is am I right? So Lexi and I try not to watch football games in the fall without somebody over Mm -hmm. or going over to someone's house. Mm -hmm. So yes, we watch the football games, but we are talking with people, hanging out and eating food and spending time with folks. Does that make sense? No, that's good. And then I think secondly, in military service, there's this phenomenon called the replacements where a unit will be created, they'll fight together. And over time, there's naturally casualties in the unit and new people have to come in. And those people are called replacements, right? And there's usually a standoffishness between the people who are already in the unit and the replacements because the replacements aren't seasoned, they aren't experienced, they're not the people that were there before they feel like the replacements are replacing their Mm -hmm. friend that was killed. Right. Um, But that group has to form a new unit Mm -hmm. because they have to fight. Right. And if you understand the metaphor of spiritual life as partly being a war, Mm -hmm. it's not just a garden and whatever other metaphors, a sheep, a sheep pen. But if you understand that in some ways it's a battle, you are fighting a battle against the flesh, against sin, against worldliness, then you will recognize that God will redeploy other people and they have to leave Mm -hmm. and God will bring new people to you and they are replacements and you just have to embrace them because this is the nature of life. Right. If you realize you have to fight with someone, you need their help. You need a critical mass of people. You have to have these meaningful friendships Mm -hmm. in your life. You have to have this thing. The Bible calls fellowship, right? Then you will embrace the people in a different way because you'll see your need for them differently. It's when we see ourselves as I have food in my fridge. I have a TV next to my couch. I have a laptop I can look at YouTube on. I don't need anything. I have good health insurance. Mm-hmm. When we misunderstand our need, we misunderstand what kind of friends we need. And we, we, we don't see the replacements God is sending us. And so then we don't embrace them mm-hmm. in friendship. Mm-hmm. And that's to our great spiritual detriment, but it's also right. greatly to the, to the destruction of our enjoyments too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Well, hopefully this episode helped you either build new friendships or enrich your current friendships. We ended within 30 minutes, so go us. Um, 
That's very so exciting. It's quite the accomplishment. Uh, and yeah, we'll keep talking about this and we'll talk to you guys next time. See you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you've got questions about what you heard today, send them to us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. If you love the Escaping Babel series, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts, or even better, share this with a friend so we can continue to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.